everyone, and welcome to Buzzing About Romance. I am Becky. We are back to Mrs. Doubtfire. And I am Leah. Holy crap. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not going to even try to redo it because I'm sure it would just be worse. Just keep on going. So We're just going to keep going. Um, On this episode, we are continuing our celebration of Indie Author Month and shining the spotlight on audio narrator turned romance author, Karen Gray. But before we get into our interview, we have a couple quick updates, because I don't think people are listening all the way to the end anymore. Listen all the way to the end of the episode. Yes, mom. So I'm telling you. So April, our quick, oh wait, before we get into that. We need to talk about what an indie author is. I had two emails this week about this. Oh, did you? I thought I we did. talked about that. I thought we did a little thing, what an indie author is. So Leah, tell everybody what's an indie author. So an indie author is an author who publishes their book completely by themselves. They do not have a company behind them to do any of the work for them. Like they find the cover designer, they find their editors, they find their formatter and they upload their books to all of the sites and they they do the work themselves they do not have a company behind them to to tell them what to do or how to do it they they they're the middleman the writer the middleman the the marketing guru yeah they do it all they i mean they set their publication date so you know, one of the things you might notice with an indie author is publication dates might move a little bit. And that's because maybe the book got done sooner or maybe life blew up and got in the way and they have to push back their release date a little bit. So one of the things that that's part of the reason that we wanted to take this month and celebrate the all indie author, mm-hmm. um, because there are small presses out there. There are different authors who host quote unquote worlds Mm -hmm. that allows newer authors, uh, less established authors to come in and write stories in their worlds. Um, And that actually gives you a leg up because you get some money towards marketing or towards covers and all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to make sure that for this month of April, we went with those people that are doing it all themselves. Now, that is not to say that the author does, doesn't necessarily have like a PR company or like people helping them, but like they are the they are the ones who have made all of the business decisions of what PR company and all of those things. We are not saying that they're not getting help, but we are saying that they do not have a company behind them to help them. Right. That's guiding them along. They're kind of doing it a little on their own. Um. Okay, so before we get into the interview, I wanted to remind everybody that April's Quick Shot of Romance Buddy Read Edition um, is Nerd by Cambria Herbert. If you would like to participate, all you have to do is read the book and then send us any thoughts, quotes, or questions you have about the selected title via email. You can also send us a voice memo. We ask that you please submit us all of these thoughts, questions, voice memos, quotes, whatever, by April the 16th. You can find information on our website. Mm-hmm. Leah, read us Karen's bio, please. 
Okay, Karen White has been narrating audiobooks since 1999 and published her first romantic comedy under the pen name Karen Gray in 2020. So we are excited to talk to her about the transition from audiobook narrator to romance author, what made her make that decision, um, how it the transition is, the difference between the audiobook fact and writing the book, you know everything in between. Everything in between. So here we go. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, we are excited to feature you and bring you into the indie spotlight, as we've been calling these episodes this month. And mm -hmm. you're, we're really excited to get to know about your indie author journey because it's a little different. I, I think it is, although I am not the only one. There are no. kind of a, an influx of that in the past couple years where it's more of a transition that is occurring now. Yeah, I think, you know, one person did it and then maybe that sort of opened the, well, it's not like a floodgate. It's not, there's no. not a ton. <laughs> and some of us are doing it on our own and some are, um, uh, collaborating with mm -hmm. established authors, which is probably the smarter way to go. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I think it's, it's fun. I think it's fun. And I really also love the trend and we'll get into this of um, the audio plays that it, we're currently seeing a lot more and more of. Um, I well, also my friend Aaron Mallon will be extremely excited to hear you say that. Um, uh, because she is a big leader in that, yeah. in that area. I got, um, when we first started the podcast, we did an interview with her and Joe. Um, and it was, I love her. I adore her. And she's one of the ones that has made the jump over from audio narrator to, uh, to author. But I just, I love the audio place. Now, were you in, you were, were you in one of hers? If the walls could talk? No, but no. Um, actually, I I have a a sort of side business that I started, as I say, accidentally, um, helping <laughs> other authors market their books. Mm -hmm. So uh, I helped her um, get the word out. We did a promo tour for Pale Blue Dots, yes. which just came out, which is mm -hmm. about lady astronauts. And we'll be doing another one for um, If These Walls Could Talk 3. Yeah, I can't say anything about it, but I think um, yet. Yeah, but I think people are going to be very excited mm -hmm. um, to hear to hear some of the new voices and some of the returning voices. Exciting! Mm -hmm. I listened to Pale Blue Dots and it was so good, and um, I really, really enjoyed that. So, but let's let's get to know you a little bit because this is <laughs> for our chance to talk about you as an author. Um, we'll have to have you back again to talk about audio narration. Um, so we just, we always like to know where authors are coming to us. Um, so are you a reader of romance? I am. I will admit that I was not always, although I do have, and this is maybe um, the start of both of these careers. I have a very distinct memory of, I was a theater drama geek um, and that's how I got to narration was through acting. But I have this memory of doing recitations of Princess Daisy backstage in the high school theater building, um, like reading from this 
I think it's Judith Krantz, Princess Daisies, like mm -hmm. from the 70s or 80s, um, and including the sexy scenes, uh, <laughs> which was so scandalous. Uh, but so like, I think I've heard you guys say, I, you know, I, my mom had, she did not have like a Har Harlequin subscription, but she had the Literary Guild subscription, mm -hmm. which was not really literary. It was commercial fiction. And so um, everything from like the thorn birds to um, those scandalous sagas scandalous. Um, that were also quite sexy. So I stole all those. And then in college, you know, mostly I was reading plays and detoured for a long time into sort of chiclet, I guess is the mm -hmm. best way to call it. And, and I think that really influences my own writing a lot too. But in 2007, I think I was assigned my first romance to narrate. And that was Julie James's Just the Sexiest Man Alive. And I went into that, oh, there's my cat. Um, <laughs> I went into that so snobby. I mean, so, oh my God, I have to read this book called this just the sexiest man alive blah 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 um and it was I had to do it at a studio with this young engineer boy and it was so embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> however I then was lucky enough to narrate all of Julie's books and that's when I learned that you know there is fabulous writing in every genre mm-hmm including romance. And yeah. then I was lucky enough to record Jill Shalvis and Jamie Farrell and, you know, a number of other, um, Aaron Nicholas, you know, a bunch of people who now I hold up. They're like my, um, I could only wish to be mm -hmm. right like they do. Uh, and I'm sure they've all shaped my own style because I've I like lived those books, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> entire series. So yeah. And now, especially with the world, the way it is, I'm in a, a couple of book clubs and one of them, they want to read mysteries all the time. And I just can't have any negativity mm -hmm. in my life right now, especially. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all about the romance. So you have narrated a lot of books but what was the the reasoning behind switching from being an just an audio narrator to that author coat? You know, I've always been a storyteller, a, a creator. I mean, when I was a theater actor, I did a lot of um, collaborative creating of pieces with other people, mm -hmm. comedy and improv, but also just writing shows <laughs> and um, I also did a lot of editing of mostly Shakespeare um, for various, like I, I edited Hamlet so we could direct 10 year olds doing it. Same with Midsummer Night's Dream, we turned into a musical for kids. And then I edited Hamlet so I could direct it in an outdoor theater. So taking that four or five hour play and, and reducing it down to the essential two hours or for the 10 year olds, the essential 20 minutes. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that experience set me up, but my problem in terms of writing fiction had always been 
the editor in my head saying, oh, that's a stupid idea. Oh, that's a stupid idea. Oh, that's a stupid idea. So I could never get past the first stage of getting things on the page. And then I had an idea for a middle grade book and I had a friend who I'd created theater with and she and I collaborated and I sort of, I'm sorry, my kids. It's okay. <laughs> Mrs. Newton. Um, <laughs> so she, it was about girls in soccer and the way that I got around my inner editor was just to write things and send it to her. Mm -hmm. So, and, and we also talked about the story and, and where it would go and we wrote that book, but then that's my book that is, you know, in a drawer and will never emerge. I learned um, while I was writing it, I, I did this thing of, I would sign myself up to do a panel on audiobooks at writing conferences. Mm -hmm. And then I would run around and go to the classes. And one thing I learned early on was that you can't self-publish middle grade books. You also don't make very much money doing it. And I've always respected the romance author community and what smart business women they are. So I had another idea for a romance series. Um, and I just, since I kind of solved this problem of my editor, I started writing. I was just pretending that I was sending it to my friend, Carmen. <laughs> and that seemed to work. <laughs> so a combination of sort of that breakthrough and taking all these workshops. And, um, and then this thing happened in 2016 to our country that sort of made me feel like, all right, I need to put some positive things out into the world. So um, the escapism just, of it, the escapism yeah. of it, just bring light and love where there seemed yeah. to not be a lot. So, um, and part of my first series was also, it's an escape back to the 1980s. Okay. So, mm -hmm. and we're, what now what do you call it so is it near contemporary or is it near historical what do they call well, do you not call it anything well that's <laughs> why i call it like the tagline is a nostalgic romantic comedy okay mm -hmm. i felt like rom-com which to me is the rebranding of chiclet with an hea mm -hmm. right so, with a little bit more spice usually typically yeah. sometimes yeah <laughs> Sometimes, um, but yeah, with some sex because chiclet doesn't usually have sex. But um, but that it's so much about the character's journey, and it's again light and fun. But um, I felt like this, this. I tried out sort of vintage and retro, but nostalgic seems to work. Um, mm -hmm. And how it's categorized officially just depends on who you ask, because it is some times it is 20th century historical fiction but most people who were alive in that time get really mad when yes, they do <laughs> fiction but I, if you call it contemporary it I, it's I not quite like, there yeah yeah this is historical fiction that appeals to contemporary readers it really does I read forget about me and oh. I loved it I was like oh my god this is I mean, so many moments of like, yes, yes, I did that. <laughs> and I used to think that was so cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, I'm so old. Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we forgot that we used to do. Uh, 
and that we had time to do because we weren't on our phones all the time. Oh, or it's, it's funny because like my kids, they're now 11 and eight and they were talking about like things that we did when we were little and we're like, we didn't have a tablet and like cell phones did not exist. Like you guys have like my art school district, every single child is given a laptop. Like we had, we had one room in our entire building that had computers and not all the teachers had computers. Like they just don't, they don't understand the like concept that like all the technology that they use on a daily basis did not exist when I was like their age. And there are things that technology we had that don't, doesn't exist anymore. Like, like no a floppy one, disk. Or no one will know how to fold a map mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah, yeah. Probably now. I mean, nobody knew, knew how to fold a map then either. <laughs> it was a highly coveted skill, I feel. It's, it's like a fitted sheet, like it takes, <laughs> talent to, to fold. Yeah, to get it back to its original form. Mm -hmm. I actually have a child that when I think they were four or five, every time they'd go into the gas station, they would ask my dad to buy them a map. And he did. He always oh. did. They had an atlas in the car. My, my grandfather so like, would have the atlases. And like when we went on vacations, he'd like write out, like trace our like route. Like he'd bust that big boy out, like on the dining room table but you're right it, the art form of map folding yeah will not happen even anymore giving directions oh for, yeah for some people that's okay though that's okay because <laughs> well, again an art, not a not a skill that everyone ever ha had right. i don't need to know to like go to like the third pizza place on the right well, and the tree that you know sarah ran into <laughs> I don't know. That's so is. how I gave directions because like where I grew up, like we didn't have street names, like our road names for until I was in high school. No, like nothing? Or, college. or were they, they in college? Were they numbered or was I, like I grew up with an RD, like my, my home address was RD box and <sighs> the number, like, cause I lived in, I lived in the middle of nothing, but so like a, we would give directions. It's like you go down like the road and you turn at the ice cream cone because at the like one thing there was a big ice cream cone that like was a big sign and so like you turned at the ice cream cone and if people didn't understand that they got lost which 90 percent of people when they came to my house got lost anyway so they were just screwed so they're funny <laughs> that is so what kind karen what kind of writer are you are you a pantser or a planner because we know you mysteriously send it to your co-writer that it's you. Um, yes, I only pretend to now, but uh, yeah, um, <laughs> she got busy and left me, um, Fair. but uh, I am definitely a pantser who is trying to um, find my way toward some form of planning. I, 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 I don't want to give up on the pantsing because I feel like I love the surprises that happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also, so I'm starting a new series and I'm trying to have an overall plan because when I first, when I wrote my first book, I didn't even, I knew what a trope was, but I didn't know what the usefulness of a trope was. I didn't think 
even though I knew this on some level because I'm a reader, I didn't think about the fact that I want to keep people moving through the series by sprinkling in little bits about these other characters. So you'll you'll want to know more. So I had to, I figured that out over the course of the series. I'm trying to do that ahead of time with with the new series. Well, and coming from a theater background, because I too was a theater kid and I have theater children now. And in theater, it's we have so much time to get the story in. And we don't want to leave you with any holes. Like we want you to know what happens to the beginning, to the end, and that you are completely satisfied and that you aren't going to need a part two play. (laughs) And so, and a lot of our, and a lot of our more popular musicals and plays and stuff like that are retellings of other stories from other genres and stuff like that. So that does you know, we pretty much know where it's going. So I think coming from theater into writing, you had to kind of retrain yourself a little bit that I can't wrap it up in just 300 pages. I need them to want to come back to see this person, this side character's story in another 300 pages. Yes. it's so. exa- That's a good way of putting it. I hadn't thought about that, but that is probably true. That I've had to sort of re- change my instincts. Yeah. Um. Well, I just I had a theater, I had a theater coach in college. I was always a backstage person, and he would be like, two hours, twenty minutes with a fifteen-minute intermission, and that is it, people. We are done. And it was always like, okay. So he would make us like rechant that back to him. <laughs> two hours, twenty minutes. 15 minute intermission. <laughs> so anyway. He was one of those guys that made the actors do speed throughs. Yes. Oh. Bet. Yeah. And uh as a stage manager doing uh cue to cue with him oh. was he Sounds didn't good. want to They're take all fun. He was a great guy. Great guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just a hobbyist. Like that was not my degree. <laughs> So I was just like not a theater kid. I mean, I was a theater kid, but not a theater major. So anyway, but I do think that that is probably a skill you have to kind of let go of that theater background that we are not going to wrap. Wrap it up. Yeah. Everything up in two hours and 20 minutes. (laughs) So you said like your first book gets in a drawer never to see the light of day. But what made you push publish on that first book? Um. Well, it was a process. I did query agents uh, with the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about indie publishing, but I, I, I figured I, I should try it. Uh, I entered it in some contests and I, you know, did all the things I could to get feedback. Um, and luckily, someone told me a couple of things that helped me to keep moving forward even while I was querying, which I did get a lot of, I actually got a lot of good feedback from querying agents, both in person at conferences, but also Mm -hmm. through email or the forms that you fill out. Um, Some, most of the rejections, the the non-format, I mean, non 
form rejections I got were, I don't know how I'm going to sell this. It's in the 1980s. I don't know what shelf to put that on. Mm-hmm. And that is true. I have had a hard time selling it. So they were right. <laughs> but I still believe we've had so many 80s TV shows. We've had so mm-hmm. much, you know, there's still so much love of that era. I believe I'm not going to be the only one. I think other people are going to start embracing this sort of non-historical, historical era. Um, So there was that part of it. Um, But the most valuable other advice I got was, while you're querying, write the next book. So I was working on Forget About Me while I was sending out um, what I'm looking for. And then there was a guy... um, who does workshops for Smashwords, who's one of the big distributors. Mm-hmm. And um, he, when I was talking about, I was talking to him at some conference because he and I were always like presenting like me before him or, or whatever. He'd come to my panel, I'd go to his. And I said, you know, I think I'm just gonna go ahead and publish these myself. I'm too impatient. And he said, well, what you should do is you should have three books ready before you publish so you can you know you're you're not waiting a year you're not waiting six months before the next one so you can go boom 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 so I got close I didn't really have three books fully written (laughs) but um I did have the second one most you know a good draft and I had sort of a good idea of what was happening a sort of half draft of the third one and then I found an editor um, who I really loved working with. And that's, I think, going through that process with her is what made me think, all right, I can do this. Uh, and then when I found my cover designer and she did the first sketch for, for my uh, cover, that was, that was kind of the final, final uh, thing of, this is my my vision, you know. I used to direct plays too, and and this this was like. I think I'm such a control freak that it was really fun, and it was also fun for me. I'm I I've always been a very organized person, so the business part of it or all those details weren't overwhelming to me. But I think it was when all the pieces started coming together is when I thought, okay, I I can do this. I can yeah. put it out there. Um, yeah, your covers are adorable. I I love love your covers, covers. but I have, and what I love about your covers, one, they totally match the story. Sometimes we get illustrated covers and not quite sure why that had an illustrated cover. I question your illustrated covers match your stories, the bright, the sun, the feel of your covers match the feels of your stories so well, it matches the decade of your story too it does too like, the colors thing yeah like the purple one which one is purple um, you spin me you spin me yes and i have to sing the whole song in my head <laughs> <laughs> but i love 80s music and you're talking about like i wouldn't know how to sell it the goldbergs are like one of the number one mm-hmm. tv shows out there everybody talk i have not watched them. i'm not really a tv person but everybody talks about it all the time. I will say we watched an episode and we didn't love it, but that was just us. Because you're weird, but it's fine. It's possible. The Gunkles love it. They love no. it. And my mother wore a whole lot of 
windsuits. <laughs> Still does. Mine did too. Windsuits. That's what those are called. Yeah. We should bring the windsuit back. No. She had one that I called her Lucky Charms windsuit. And she was still wearing it like 15 years ago, guys. And she might still wear it occasionally. My mom Hopefully had one. It was like bright pink pants and like a white and like pink jacket. My mother's was all white with rainbow trim and like rainbow trim down the sides of the pant. Like if it was 80s night at Cape Ride, she would have been like rocking it. <laughs> God love her. I was picturing little shamrocks when you said her. No, it was like magic. It was so rainbowy. It was like it was magic. And it delicious. had the oh, it had the shoulder to shoulder rainbow piping oh. that went down across the jacket. That's even better. Wow. So it was. I will find a picture for you, Leah, because I'm sure that Thank you. one of my siblings I'm, are. I'm acting. trying to picture it. I need to see proof of this. So what? Why did you choose? the song titles as your book titles? Oh, you know, I don't remember <laughs> how that happened. <laughs> the, with the first one, I think it was about, I was listening to a lot of 80s music. They all this, all the books have playlists and, and I think, um, it was just a really great way to encapsulate the theme of the book with the era. Mm -hmm. um, and what I did with all those, I don't know if you noticed, but it's actually not the full title. It's not. Yeah, it's a so cut like, of the title. You have to know what, what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, now, my new series is set in the nineties mm -hmm. and I had to decide whether I was gonna continue this trend, but I have to say that it is so fun to me when people make Instagram stories of my books and they use the songs in them. And then mm -hmm. the little pieces are kind of dancing along. <laughs> but I think also there's a little bit of an earwig nature to the titles that mm -hmm. helps people remember them. So, yeah. I am going to continue with the song titles, but song titles in the 90s aren't as long. They're so not. I can't, I haven't been able to cut off words <laughs> or phrases like I did with Forget About Me is, you know, of course, don't you forget about me. Mm -hmm. So I'm just using the whole title. Yeah. As you sit here and say, don't you forget about me. Now I'm singing it. I know. I just got club. See, I told you, earwig. <laughs> I mean, that's. Well, it's funny because Lexi Blake for her Masters of Mercenaries series, she does it with like movie titles and she changes like a word here or there. And I just, I've always loved the fact that she does that play on words. And so I thought, cause it's always really catching. It's like, like, I'm always excited to see what the next one's going to be. Like, where's she going to go next? So I just thought it was like a really interesting process, like that you're choosing those song titles, but you are right. Like 90 songs, like they're not real long. They're a lot of one word. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had to work harder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm to trying to think them. like all the, you know, like I'm You're going like through like Pearl Jam titles and they're like well, one the word thing. or two. One words. or two. <laughs> and plus a lot of those like grunge titles 
or the rap titles don't really lend themselves to romance. So I've had, I had to go kind of deeper into pop. Mm. Um, Let's talk about sex. Salt and pepper right there. That would be a great book. (laughs) I might have to, I'm going to take a note. (laughs) Um, We could go with some Belle Viv DeVoe and that girl is poison. (laughs) I had to give, we did a, uh, we had book club a couple weeks ago and I said something about Belbiv DeVoe and they were like, who is that? And I'm like, did you ever listen to Boys to Men? And they're like, oh yeah, my mom listened to Boys to Men. And I'm like, okay, first of all, thank you. But wow. And then they're like, my mom was seven. I'm like, okay, never mind. <laughs> I went to their concert and, you know, but I was like, Boys to Men exists because of Belle Biv DeVos. <laughs> like we knew when Boys, like when Boys to Men was a four person boy band, <laughs> not anyway, three. I'm so old. Um, what was okay so you know you had to get past your editor's brain but what were some of the other challenges that you encountered by pushing indie publish and going this route what are some other things like you had to learn along the way as you went through things oh i mean there are so many i feel like i am still learning and i will forever be learning um all the little moving pieces, for instance, like back matter mm-hmm. and what you do with back matter, you know, how, uh, yet again, it's about how you're selling these books, how you're getting people to move through your, um, your canon sounds ridiculous up series <laughs> through, through your, your, uh, your list. Um, there's the whole decision of whether to do KU or wide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, and then I'm also doing audiobooks, which I would not do at my level of, of writing if I were not an audiobook person. Um, because my audience that I sort of brought with me are audiobook listeners. So I had to figure out where are those ebook listeners? I mean, ebook readers or mm-hmm. eye readers, as I call them, um, instead of ear readers. So, I mean, it is it is really an endless list of things you can take a class on, you know, in advertising, in working with a PR company or not, um, and and there are classes, and I continue to do it, but I think that's. I think that's why I am loving this. Um, I get bored really easily. So I, it's, it's just been great for me to um, feel like I'm constantly learning. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you feel like, oh my God, I, I, I can't make the list good enough to keep well, up with it all. There's a lot of little moving parts right, with all of it. I'm sure it's just very similar with, creating a podcast I mean all the thing you just think oh well I'll just get a mic and we'll record <laughs> and then we'll just put it up right if only no. it was that easy we <laughs> really thought I, it was I that easy I slid in after like sh- this was here for a while so it was easy for me I'm really lucky I have a husband that is very similar to you Karen as far as likes to learn and likes to know things and he's an IT guy 
And and honestly, I have thrown around for eight years that I wanted to do a romance podcast. Romance has been a big, huge part of my life, and I really wanted to do this. And I had titles and names and whatever. But I'm also a mom. Now my kids are older now. But when you're running to cross-country meets and to Girl Scout meetings and theater, and you've got five days of pickup and a tech week that seems to last forever, you can't focus as much on all that stuff, just as you know. And so pandemic, while other people were like, this has been the most horrible thing that ever happened to them. And it, we were in quarantine a lot longer than everyone else because I have a child with medical issues. The pandemic gave me the opportunity to say, hey, can, can we do this now? Nobody's going anywhere. And it worked out. Um, but... Yeah, I really did think it was as easy as plug a mic in and people will just listen to me talk. But curating an audience. And that is something that as a reader, until I started talking to authors, I didn't realize how much that plays into things. Curating that audience and making sure you're getting new readers, but that you're also speaking to your first readers so that everybody is, you know, you're bringing in, but you're also kind of, you know, taking care of those that have read since day one. It's an interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a, um, you have to like a challenge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's interesting. So you're a wide author, so you didn't go the Kindle unlimited route. You went on all platforms, but that, and you don't, we don't have to get into specifics or anything, but, um, the choice to do that, was that because of also doing the audio narration or just the accessibility of it? I, I did try KU and I, um, at first I think what I did was release in KU and then go wide. But then after, um, going to a conference and talking to other authors it's exactly different in the audiobook world than it is in the ebook world. Um, well, it's it's similar and different. Anyway, um, the, I I knew I wanted to be wide in order to be accessible to the whole world, but also just as a sort of business decision in terms of not having all your eggs in one basket. Um, and one of the things that really pushed me over the edge was when Audible kind of, uh, crashed, uh, mm -hmm. for a bit and was, we, you know, it was discovered they were hiding the fact that they were returning books and taking the money away from us without yeah. telling us. And, you know, Amazon is out to sell anything but books, <laughs> you know, they're using, they use books to get us there. Yeah. And now they do sell books and they have made it possible for people to, you know, they started both audible and, uh, Amazon, which are the same company now made it possible for authors to self publish, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have the best in mind for either authors or readers. So nope. it made sense to me in the in the larger picture to publish wide. 
And what I learned was it doesn't serve you to get people, to train people that you're on KU and then go wide. Yeah. And that's where it's different from Audible and all the other um, uh, audiobook stores because you can be on Audible and be on those, whereas you have to only be KU mm -hmm. or wide. Right. That's the difference. Um, so I've decided to release wide from the start now. I yeah. also think my, I don't, my books are kind of not books that you, you eat like candy. They're more books that you eat like Belgian chocolate pudding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a bingeable series because there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot in the stories. So like I read the one and I was like, oh, I'm just going to jump into book two. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I need to take a minute. <laughs> and also, you know, I love your illustrated covers. I think those would be hard to do as photographic covers um, and sell on in like a KU program, because as we've seen with KU, illustrated covers do not do well in KU. They don't. And I think that the way your books read too, I think you can, you kind of straddle that line of women's fiction and romance. Like it definitely, there's an HEA, it is a hundred percent romance, but it's kind of a buildup, you know, to the romance. It's a, it's a subtle, like, so if somebody's trying, thinking, oh, I want to try a romance, but I'm not sure. I actually did this week. I had somebody in my community say, hey, I'm thinking about reading a romance. What should I read? And I was like, you should try Karen White's books. Try these. Yeah. And you had a free on recently. And I was like, just do that one. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I like that that way of thinking of it because like I said, I, I, I kind of evolved from a chiclet reader to a, to a romance reader. And to me, I think this is my sort of theory about romance in life is that to really get to the HEA, both people have to put the work in mm -hmm. on themselves so that they can come to the relationship and 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 then sort of make each other the best that they can be. Yeah. I think that's yeah. my experience with my own um, extremely long and drawn out process <laughs> toward finding my husband <laughs> and our relationship. And so I think all my characters, I force them to go through this. So they're definitely slow burn. Yeah. But also um, they have to learn a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of self-discovery in your books yeah. and they're, and they're character driven. And these are characters that are going to go on a journey. And I did like that. I like that. And I knew going in one of our listeners, uh, Liz is a big fan. And she was like, she's like, now Becky, it's a slow burn. You cannot complain because you know, it's a slow burn. I'm like, I already told you sister, if I know it's a slow burn going in, I'm going to be okay. You just, that's not always that's true. the content trigger warning I need. It is too, well, no, if it's 91 pages or 91% before we get anything, then I'm not okay. But at least it's at 91%. Oh my God. Am I ever going to live this down ever? No, ever not. But anyway, I think it's 91%. That's a different, 
that's got to be a different description. That's like it's an extreme, extreme burn. Like, what do you call those when you when you light the fuse and then it just goes on this extremely long string, you know, before the know, explosion. I like long that fuse. description. Yeah, the long fuse burn. Is it just a long fuse? fuse? It long might just fuse. be called a long fuse. We should start using that. We should never read those kinds of books. <laughs> but sometimes they're good. Here now, Karen Gray has given us a new trope, a long fuse. Fuse burn. There we go. Um, okay, so Boston Classic, it's three books, right, that are out right now? No, four. Four. Four and a novella. Okay. Then I have the fourth, at least one more book to get. <laughs> the fourth is called Child of Mine. <clears throat> and that is my... I am determined to make people love the secret baby um, trope who don't I love, love it. a secret baby. Secret baby. It is one of my you number one tropes. It. I'm going to make you love it. It's, you know, it's one of those tropes that everyone's always like, it's not real. This kind of stuff wouldn't happen. And then we were had a conversation with an author and she's like, I was a secret baby. My dad didn't <laughs> find out about me until I was like um, 24 and I mean, his, mom and dad don't have a relationship at all, but uh, she was like, yeah, I was a secret baby. So it happens. And we're like, yes, yeah, see, it is real life. <laughs> real life. Tropes, lost. Right. Things happen. Life is not always easy. Sometimes you just yeah. don't know. Mm. Um, and so the next series, you're leaving the decade of the 80s. And yes. going into the 90s. So is are these books going to stretch across all of the 90s? Are we doing early 90s, mid 90s? It's actually late 90s. Late 90s. Because, so I had this, I now, I lived in Boston for a long time. And then um, we lived in Los Angeles for a long time. But we now live in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is on the coast. Mm -hmm. And it is, has been off and on for years, sort of the Hollywood of the East. It's a place where a lot of film and TV gets shot. Mm -hmm. And my husband works on film and TV and um, it, as a crew guy. And so I've always wanted to write about those people, the people who make the movies mm -hmm. behind the scenes. Um, and I thought it would be fun to do that about people in Wilmington. And one of the shows that is most beloved and well-known that was shot in Wilmington is Dawson's Creek. So I decided it's not exactly Dawson's Creek fan fiction, but in the way that my Boston classic series has this sort of Shakespeare thing running through it because it's a Shakespeare company where if you know a lot about Shakespeare, there are Easter eggs mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. If you don't, in the first book, you have to listen to a lot of Shakespeare quotes. <laughs> in the other books, there's more sprinkling rather than, um, but similarly in this new series, if you know a lot about Dawson's Creek, there will be Easter eggs. The show that is being filmed is called Lawson's Reach. <laughs> Love that. So that I can get away with changing things. Well, mm -hmm. and by going in the late 90s, you don't have to worry about the effects of Hurricane Andrew and what it did in the mid 90s to the coast, to the North Carolina coastal line. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry Although, about that. There is a hurricane. 
Oh, is there? Because no, I mean, of course, they're not my parents. We used to vacation out at the Outer Banks growing up. And when I was in high school in the early 90s, after Hurricane Andrew, we didn't go for like four or five years because our typical rental had been washed to sea. It was gone. Yeah. <laughs> it was gone. And it was it was interesting to go back um, years later and see how things had been built back up. And there were still tons of empty lots. And best pancakes in the world are in Kitty Hawk. It's called Stackham High Pancakes. It's the best pancakes in the entire world, if anybody ever wants to go there. Anyway. You know, I've never been to the Outer Banks. I grew it's, up in North Carolina. It's a long We always went south oh. to, to the southern part, or we went up to Virginia yeah. Beach, which is where mm-hmm. we have family. But um, I still haven't gone. I need to do it, but it's just... Stacking my pancakes. Down there. I used, like, my husband's family, they used to go every year, and aside from... I'm in Pennsylvania, so it's a long drive and I don't travel in a car well. So that's one reason I don't like going there. Okay. So you're writing a late nineties book. Are you going to talk about Y2K? Because so this is so random. I had, we had to explain to our 17 year old girl child. She's almost 17 about Y2K. And with the change in daylight savings that is coming in the fall of 2023 it could be a programmer's nightmare because of all the internal clocks i live with an it guy these are the things he thinks about and he's like this could be worse than y2k because nothing ever happened y2k right um he's like this could be bad (laughs) it was gonna be the end of the world (laughs) but you said late 90s and i'm like yes she's gonna talk about y2k well, in my novella, which is free right now, the pink one, which is called Like It's 1999, mm-hmm. that novella, I've managed to fit 10 years into the novella. It goes from New Year's Eve on 1988, 89, 95, and 99. And it's, uh, and so in that book, they, there's a lot about Y2K. Yeah. I rewatched last... a few years ago, I rewatched ER, the drama that was on NBC. And I love that. And in it, they did like, there was like a whole episode about Y2K and prepping for Y2K. And I'm just like, it was like a big thing. I forgot well, what a big deal that was. <laughs> I just was. heard on a, some sort of, I don't know, something. I just did a six hour drive. So I, I was listening to your podcast, but also random <laughs> other podcasts. And someone was talking about how when you prepare for disasters, the best outcome is that nothing happens and people think that, but the problem is then people think, oh, well, then we don't, we should not have prepared. Mm-hmm. But her point with Y2K was the reason it wasn't a disaster was that people prepared. Yeah. All the things they did were the right things so that the world did not stop. <laughs> But we all think of it as, oh, oh, they made such a big deal and then nothing happens. Yeah. It just, I just giggle because I just didn't, I had kids in 2003 and 2005. So talk of Y2K was way over by then, you know? And so she would have had no frame of reference. And so we were trying to tell her, about, she's like, what? Like, anyway, it just makes me laugh. It makes me feel old too, because my husband and I were married in 99. So it's been a minute. 
That was a big deal in our house. What do we do? There's still there is still so much to mine in the 90s mm-hmm. of things that we did not have. Yeah. You know, and and things that you still had to do. Um so that's been fun. And I and I have to do so much research <laughs> because I can't remember exactly what was well, around was a long and what time wasn't. ago. Yeah. So um, but that's fun. I like doing it. Trying to think of fashion of the 90s. What? We pegged our jeans. Well, that was early Pegging. 90s. By the it end of the 90s, 90s, it was the big legged the jeans. Big, like the Genko jeans. Those are the it really sad. evolved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, we went from leg warmers to like giant jeans in 10 years. Just crazy. Some people just wore flannel the entire time. That was me. <laughs> really great. <laughs> Eddie Bauer sweaters. I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in Eddie Bauer in the 90s and malls. Like that was such a big deal, like indoor malls. And I remember when the first outdoor mall was being built in our area in the early 2000s, like no one is going to go there. That's the dumbest thing ever. Uh-huh. Who wants to walk outside? Like when it's <laughs> cold out, like who wants to shop when it's cold and go from store right. to store? I need a big food court. The people come out. I worked at an outdoor mall and there were always people there. It's crazy. Uh, Karen, when does that 90s series, do you have like a expected? So, uh, I have a, what I call a bridge novella, which is going to come out in May. It's called I'll Stand By You. It's not yet up for pre-order, but it should be going up soon. Um that is going to it's going to be the wedding of the last couple in the boston classics series it's going to be at a hotel in the north carolina town where the new series take takes place and all the young people who are going to be in the new series work at the hotel okay so it takes place over one night and we get to meet all of them and there's no like actual romance in that but it's it's sort of like this series is as much about this five, this group of five friends, mm-hmm. kind of like Dawson's Creek is about that group of four plus friends. So um, I'm sort of setting up that up with the novella. And then if all goes well, <laughs> the first book is coming out. Um, it's called You Get What You Give. And it's coming out like in um, June. So um, I am busily working on that one the the novella is ready I just have to mm-hmm. get the cover my cover designer retired sadly so I've got a new one and she's excited about the Dawson's Creek connection so we're kind of in that process now exciting that so that's exciting. it and then I have another novella which I'm super excited about that is this that is tendentially connected to this that's the one with the hurricane mm-hmm. um that's going to be in this anthology called Smart Asses that um, is only going to be available at first to people who are going to Book Bonanza and mm-hmm. to Polycon. Okay. And it's a fundraiser paperback that is coming out that Aaron Mallon has actually organized. And it's got amazing authors in it. Yes. Molly Dev There's and, a lot. and Susanna Nix. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's like a 750 page book. I saw that. <laughs> and I'm actually not going to either one of those. But uh, one of our community members is headed to Book Bonanza. And I was like, 
So, Christina, I'm going to need you to get me that book. <laughs> well, I am, I'm not going there as an author because I decided to try to go too late, but I'm going there as the uh, smartass's assistant. <laughs> so nice. I will be giving people their pre-ordered books. So Christina should come say hi to me. I will absolutely will, make sure make she sure does. We let her know. Um, and then it will be for sale in the fall. Yeah. But, okay. um, it's exciting. I saw that because I think, I think, did, is Jana Aston in that one yes. too? Yeah. And I, I mean, there were so many great authors. I was like, oh my gosh, that's You're like, like I need this gold, book. right? It's going to be a good one. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I have it. I, uh, I have the like draft uh, on my, on my ipad i sort of can't wait to read it that's so fun so many good stories in there i know i can't believe i'm in this thing with them i'm so honored but um yeah but i had a lot of fun writing that story um it's about writers two writers who are on lawson's reach and they're (laughs) in la so i think that's going to be my next series is out to la that's fun that's fun i might go backwards I can't decide if I'm going to go backwards into the earlier 90s or go forward into the early 2000s. Both have some really cool potential for songs. <laughs> early 2000s, then you can hit all the boy band titles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some good ones there. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for joining us um, for our indie author spotlight. Um, we were so excited to have the opportunity to chat with you. Um, well, I am honored to be here um and everyone you guys can check out uh the links on our on the shelf show notes and i will have linked uh to um the different books the ones the novella that is free and then all her other good things and all her social media so guys make sure you check that out thank you so much karen thank you thank you well that was a delightful conversation it was. She and was I only so aged nice. myself a little bit. Well, it happens. Parachute pants and windsuits. That's what I'm saying. Parachute pants. I forgot about those. I didn't forget about them, but like I forgot to mention them because off MC the Hammer. shoulder sweaters. I mean, those kind of are still around. Yeah, but they were way better in the '80s. And neon, neon. There was a lot of well, and that's the thing that we did talk about Karen's like covers and how bright they are. And it's like, I mean, the eighties were a bright decade. They were, they were, um, okay. So we got an idea and we, we went did, with but it. it, but this was not our idea. This was the community's idea and we kind of ran with it. Yeah. And I happened to find a coordinating book holiday to our plans. Cause that came after we picked the date. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. I love these things. Um, so World Book Day by April is April 23rd of 2022. In celebration of World Book Day, it is also known as World Copyright Day. It was started by the UN to help establish the protection of copyrights from country to country. You guys did not know you were getting a history lesson tonight, huh? I have all the knowledge for you. Um, so in celebration of World Book Day, Buzzing About Romance is hosting their first ever read-in. We are challenging you to read for 24 hours over a 48-hour period because Becky needs naps. Um, April 22nd from 6 p.m. your local time, 
until April 24th, 6 p.m. your local time. Each reader is encouraged to set page read goals or minute listens for the time frame and fill out our pledge form on our website. Community goals for the event is 20,000 pages read in this 48 hours and 10,000 minutes listened. You can make your pledge at bookcaseandcoffee.com slash slash World Book Day 2022. Becky likes naps. She does. Like, no joke. Like, I'll call her and she'll be, like, playing on her couch. It's nap time. It's siesta time. I'm very European. This is why we do well in Portugal. This is true. Okay, so, Becky, it's that time. For Book Book the Week. Okay, what was your your book of the week? week? No, I asked you first. Um, there are so many, so so many. There were a lot of good books this month. Okay, so I'm actually going to talk about two (laughs) because I have problems. First up, Good Hands by Kelly Jameson. It was a very refreshing and innovative vacation fling, friends with benefits, surprise pregnancy romance. It also had a lot more emotion than I was expecting it to have. Um, But in true Kelly Jamison style, it was amazing and such a good book. It's one of those, though, because I'm going to be really honest, where I actually called Leah after I was done reading it. And I was like, it's either a three star or a five star, but it cannot be a four star. And she's like, okay, because for the reasons that it would have been a three star are the same reasons that it was a five star. So it is a five-star read. I talked her. I talked her up. And then my other book, it's actually a series, and I will be talking about them more in our Build a Band episode coming up here soon mm-hmm. in May. The Fractured series, I know that I talked about Fractured Heart in a previous episode. It's by L.M. Danglish. Um, the Fractured Rockstar series, there's four books. The fourth book in the series, Fractured Kiss, comes out, came out April 7th. And first of all, the penis. Oh, I meant the hero. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Jenny is going to have a field day with that quote. That is the perfect quote out of context. Oh, no, penis. <laughs> oh goodness! Oh, the hero, the hero had a pierced penis that I had to look up again. Um, but also, it was a really, really great book. So, fractured kids available in Kindle Unlimited. You should read the whole series. Oh my god. <laughs> That was so funny. I was so excited to talk about it. I know. But so, oh my God. Leah, what was your book of the week? Okay, so my book of the week, it was a tough choice because there were like so many books that came out and like I swear every like suspense author that I read released a book in the past two weeks and I cried and I was laughing so hard. Um, but my book of the week for this week is, um, Marked for Revenge by Anna Blakely. 
This is book two of her Mark series. The book follows Allie and Wade. Allie is a witness to a crime and has to go into protective custody. And Wade was one of the FBI agents on the case. And so it is, it is like three years, three, no, five years later, I think. And the bad guy has <laughs> broken out of jail. Like he is like escaped and he is coming after her and like the story of like how they come back to each other. And like, it, it was a really well done story. And I've really enjoyed this series. Um, it's one, it's one of her newer series. So <laughs> you really like Anna Blakely. You really I do. do like I really her. do like her books. They're very good. Um, okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So anyway, let's, let's move on. <laughs> we don't have an explicit so. label yet, but that might've just pushed us over. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe you did that. I mean, I kind of can, but at the same time. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so we want to say congrats to Liz, who is the winner of our new to you author, January to March challenge, the buzzing about romance community read over 280 new to them authors in just three months. This is exciting. And we hope you all found some amazing new favorites. Like I know that I have, I know that Becky did. <laughs> yep. She did not have a, a, a winter of salmon, but no, it's okay. but I totally went down the dub con non con rabbit hole. So like multiple rabbit holes too. Multiple. <laughs> so many good mafia romances too. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have a new contest. Yes, we do. So just in time for spring, spring fling bingo. For, month, for the months of April and May, we are challenging you to throw caution to the wind and try something new. When we think spring, we think mud and dirt, new life and growth. We think of all the new plans and hopes that come with the start of spring. We are providing you with a guide to get rid of gray skies of winter, embrace the warmer days and spicy books. And also, my earlier outburst <laughs> might play into the new contest very well. It, it plays very well into the new contest. And what did you write there? Like, it's... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying commercial writing. Let's, let's just... I'm going to start singing jingles next, Leah. <laughs> just you wait. Just okay. you wait. Did you know that you can own a co-player t-shirt or a buzzing about romance zipper pouch of your own? The small pouch is the perfect size to hold a Kindle paperweight. You're zipping. They only are hearing <laughs> the audio. <laughs> Shut up. You shouted penis tonight. Let me zip. I shout penis often. <laughs> Just tonight. <laughs> we Here's another with... out of context. <laughs> right. We partnered with the I Love HEA shop on Etsy to bring you Busting About Romance swag. And you can find a link on the website or go to Etsy.com and search Buzzing About Romance. I can't even handle this today. <laughs> Drunk Book Club. Drunk Book Club. Next Drunk Book Club is May 21st. Author duo Max Monroe will be our guest author for the evening and we will have a book announcement next week or check our website this week it yes, might be up there already because the our patreon members have to vote on our book still yep. so if you are an author listening to the podcast we have opened up a review form on our website so you can submit a request for one of the bookcase and coffee bloggers that there are six of us now i think yes we to are up to six review 
to review a book for you. It can be an older release that you have, or if you have an upcoming newer release you want to, uh, to put out there, you can find details at bookcaseandcoffee.com slash review requests. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so next up, for the entire month of April, like we said, we are celebrating the 100% Indie Author for Indie Author Month. And next time, we are going to chat with author Catherine Cowles. She writes slow burn, emotional, romantic suspense. So, and she's going to be a new to you author, isn't she? She is a new to me author. <clears throat> I have not went down that rabbit hole quite yet because I've had like 17,000 other books I had to read for the podcast and like work things. But I'm excited because you and Rachel have like raved about her books for a long time. And, but it's one of those authors where like, I know I'm going to like her and she has a very extensive backlist. She does. So she it, does. it is not a, it is not that I don't want to read her. I just have not had the time to rabbit hole down like 15 books. Yeah. So I have read, she has her wrecked, um, series, which mm -hmm. I really enjoyed those. It was really great. And I think all her books take place in the Pacific Northwest, which is where she lives. And I love her talking about the channel islands off of, um, out on the Pacific and the little communities and stuff like that. So it's really, they're really great stories. And I have now read her tattered and torn book one and then book two comes out this week. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm excited. I know I'm going to love them. I'm very excited to read them. I just needed some time. It's fair, to but I'm making home. you read it now. Cause I'm so excited to get the chance to talk to her. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Until next time, everyone. Happy reading, everybody. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.